With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following program is intended for immature audiences only. Don't think, just listen. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. You're going online with Bill Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on Fayette TV Channel 77 on WMCK.FM, streaming live tonight at onlinewithbillalexander.com, and you can check everything out at italknet.com. Well, tonight's going to be one of those fun shows where I get to talk about... I can say my days in radio, but I'm going to be talking to a guy that was my program director for a brief period of time, and uh, we'll talk about his days at the old Wasp FM that then became Froggy. Oh, I, I, I don't like that. I don't like using that term Froggy when I talk about radio. How about you, Dean? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, I, and Froggy, that style of, of radio. And if you don't recognize the voice, it's Dean Connors, formerly of Wasp FM, 94.9. Today's hot new country, if I got that correct. It was 94.9. We, the first thing I did as a program direct, director was make it pointless. We, uh, we took the point <laughs> out of it. Because 94.9 Wasp FM sounded a little bit cooler to me than 94.9. Well, the guy that ran the station always liked that point for some strange reason. I don't know if he couldn't find a point and he used that one or what, but I'm talking well, about... I'll tell you what, when I became the program director, we had all these jingles and, and sweepers, which is the big voice guy. Right. 94.9. And all the DJs were saying, 94.9, Wasp FM, 94.9. And I said, you know... Uh, can we say his name, the owner? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, J Mr. Humes, Jim Humes. <laughs> Jim Humes. <laughs> and I said, um, you know, every second counts. This is when radio was, was radio, when there were DJs right. and real radio. And I said, if I splice together a tape of a week's worth of everything we broadcast 24 hours a day, every time we said the word point, whether it was a jingle, a DJ, a commercial, contest, every time we said the word point, and I just spliced together a big tape for one week's worth of broadcasting, and it just sounded like point, 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 point. I might have 40 minutes of the word point, and we were blessed with a uh, frequency that doesn't need point. Right. 94.9 on the radio can't be misconstrued as anything else. So, for example, if your frequency was 100.5, you couldn't say 105. Right. Because that's different frequency. So 
94.9 or 93.7 or whatever, you don't need that point. And he said, okay, so where are you going with this? I said, so if we had 45 minutes a week of point, 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 that we can eliminate, that's 45 minutes more music we could play, more commercials that you can sell. Right. You know, his eyes kind of lit up. He said, okay, I get it. And I said, and we can also eliminate the word country at least once. Because when I first got the program director position, the station went by today's hot new country, country 94.9, WASP FM. Right. And so when I was first hired as a part-time guy and they had some other guy that was the quote-unquote program director, he told me the name of the station is today's hot new country, country 94.9, WASP <laughs> FM. And I said, so we're playing Alan Jackson and Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw. People know we're country. Right. Why are we saying the word country twice? So the first time I went on the air, which was like 2 o'clock in the morning on some Sunday night or Saturday night or whatever, I said, all right, I'm ready. <clears throat> they put me on, and I said, today's hot new country, country, 94.9, watch the film. <laughs> and a guy kept running in the studio, and he said, oh, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Said, no, you said today's hot new country, country, 94.9. He said, no, you're putting the pause in the, in the wrong, wrong place. place. <laughs> okay, I got it. And he said, so go again. So I said, today's hot new country, country, 94.9. I mean, this guy was niche. I, sorry, I don't know who he was, but. Anyway, I'm trying to remember so back who it was. Anyhow, I can't remember who it was. He, this guy, I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. I can tell you another story about that. Anyway, so <laughs> I went to Mr. Humes. I said, listen, the first thing I'm going to do is streamline every day, everything we do. Right. So it's hot new country, 94.9 Wasp FM. I, I, you know, we're playing, like I said, Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson. If you're listening, you know it's country. Exactly this right. Like, what would it is? So we... To what I thought was a more hip, uh, ninety-four. You know, today's hot new country, ninety-four-nine Wasp FM. Right, and that a couple of different reasons. Like I said, we got rid of the point, and we got rid of one of the times that we say the word country, and in turn could play a couple of hours more music every week, and it worked out for us. Right, and it, it was recognizable too. Now, the thing I think is interesting about it: when you started, you said you started as a part timer. For a very short period of time. I was on the beach, which is a radio term for you're out of a gig. Okay, where were you and at before? I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee okay. before I came to Uniontown. Okay. But I was visiting a friend at a radio station in Harrisburg, where I used to work. Okay. And he was on the air, and I was sitting in the studio, and they had an industry magazine, and I'm looking through the Help Wanted ads, and I see Pittsburgh radio station looking for on-air talent. W-A-S-P-F-M, and I, I was like, listen, I'm from this area. Right. I don't, what, you know, Pittsburgh to me was, you know, DBE and Y-108 and right. 94 and I'm like, I don't lost, I don't, what is that? Yeah. So I sent, I sent him a resume and a tape, and I thought, well, I, this would just keep me on the air until I find the next, right. the next spot. And I, you know, I met Mr. Humes and his, his staff and everybody, and I thought, no, okay, I, I can do this. And like I said, they, they threw me on at some overnight Sunday night thing, and I'm like, no offense to anyone working Sunday night overnight or whatever, but I had a pretty good resume. To, you know, I'd been a music director. I'd been a promotions director. I've been on the air since I was 16, 17 years old. 
uh, you know, I thought this is a stepping stone to keep me, keep my chops up and keep me on the air. And it became quickly obvious to me that they needed a, a, a pro, an actual pro. They need someone who knew what he was doing, yep. Yeah. So I, I, I you know, got tight with Mr. Humes and said, listen, I, I, you know, they had a consultant from Chicago that was telling them what to play. Right. The details were very limited on what they were even allowed to say on the radio. The wonderful, remember, the wonderful index cards. The little index cards, yes. exactly. And it said, like, it, today's hot new country country, 94.9, <laughs> Lost FM. That was, and then in parentheses, artist name here. Right. I am your name here. Mm-hmm. And here is next artist name. So it, literally listening to the station sounded like, Today's hot new country, country 94.9 Wasp FM. That was Faith Hill. I'm Dean Connors. And here's Garth Brooks right. on Wasp FM. Yeah, there was no personality. Was there was none. And so one day, one morning, Saturday morning, something, I'm on the air, and I've, I've got a USA Today open in the studio. And his little assistant came in and, like, lost her mind. Like, Why are you reading a newspaper when you're on the radio? I said, because i got to have stuff to talk about. i got to know if Pirates won last night. Right. The, what's the weather and what what's going on in the world and oh you can't you can't do that i mean you have to read those index cards <laughs> i said listen i've been on the air a long time i'm not reading those index cards like you know and i went to dinner or whatever with Mr. Hughes and said listen give me the rain for this if i let you down let me go but you got to give me a shot kid. right and i'm like 28 26 at the time i forget and you know he said, okay, there, here you go. And for a guy that was, you know, it's a little overbearing, he, he gave me the reins to it, and we, we ran with it, and we had one heck of a radio station. You sure I mean, We were real you, fun. You sure did. And I was working on the AM side at the time because you got the, uh, you got the job of being the AM program director, too. Yeah, which I didn't have much say on the AM side. I, <laughs> which frustrated the hell out of me that you got that yeah. job because I went to him because I was working on my I was working on a, a master's degree at the time and I was working full full time doing talk because I was Kim Smith's replacement is basically how it was working out um, when Kim Kim would arrive uh, functional to the station and. Um, <laughs> I was doing I was doing air shifts six days a week and sometimes seven, and I heard this young kid was going to be program director of the AM station. I'm going, what the heck does this kid know about talk radio? And I'm going, okay, this is going to be interesting to play out because this was my second stint at the radio station when you came in, because I went back and forth between two other stations, and he called me and he said, I need you to come back. We need someone to take over for Kim. I said, fine. I said, but this is what I want to make. And they were trying to meet it, but Kim would Kim wasn't going to let go of anything. So um, I came in, and that's when you and I met. And if I remember correctly, it was a very uh, a very uh, rough relationship the first time you and I met. <laughs> but that was I, I quite a few I'm, years ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. Here's what I remember about the AM side of that station. I, I had all these new... Uh, like to just for your audience, a voice voiceover guy things where right. the guy, the big voice guy, says, you know, it's it's twelve o'clock at WASP AM, and we're gonna now the news, or whatever the, the, the stuff that voice guys do. right. Old package created by a good friend of mine who actually worked at the station for a very very short period of time. He went on to other things, and and but he was we were still friends, and he did it for free, and they were very good. 
And I brought him in and said, listen, Jim, we're going to update the sound of this AM. We're going to make it. We're going to sound like KDKA. It's going to be phenomenal. Right. New music beds and all this cool stuff. And Kim Smith said, oh, I don't like it. I don't yep. want to do it. And I literally got thrown in a trash can. Yep. And that's when I just threw up my arms and said, how about I focus on the a- yep. on the FM side? And that, that, that was... I'm not fighting with Kim Smith. I've got a whole staff of DJs here to, to rein in and train and get up, you know, all these, you know, we're bringing in concerts and we're doing all this stuff. And I was like, listen, the AM side can can cruise along and, and you know, Bill's good and Kim's good. And, because you're, if you're not going to let me program, right. I'm not going to... Well, the... Why? What? The thing that frustrated me about the AM was Kim Smith, because that station had a reputation in the in the tri-state area of being a country station. When they decided to put the FM on the air, why they did not run a, a current country station and a classic country station on either side, or at least simulcast the FM on the AM, one or the other. I don't think it was necessary right. to run both. Love, I, I, I would have loved to program a classic country station on the AM with news. Right. You know, you, you, you guys doing your thing, and then the rest of the time was a classic country right. station. And uh, in, a, in a hot country on the FM side. But, you know, I mean, the last station I worked for before I came to WASP was a three-station conglomerate, whatever you want to call it. it was, there were two FMs and an AM. Uh, it had a, a, a light rock FM, a modern, a, you know, modern rock mm-hmm. FM, top 40 kind of modern rock FM, and a talk AM. And I was the promotions director there, but I was heavily involved. And I, I you know, to take the next step, I, I could have put my programming knowledge to, to that. And I was just, I was, I was, they, they might as well poured a cold bucket of water on my head and said, nah, Kim yeah. Smith said he doesn't like it. Yeah. And, that, right. and the f- funny thing was, is when, um, when the station was bought by Key Market, um, I met with Jim twice before and told him, and I don't know where I was getting the money from. I said, I want to run. I want to rent the AM from you. And he said, what do you mean you want to rent the AM? I said, you guys are so worried about the FM. Let me let me rent the AM from you. Let me sell the ads. Let me do everything and let me run my format. And he looked at me and thought I was crazy. Well, we negotiated three times, three times. And the third time, it looked like he was getting ready to say yes. And we, he said, I'll give you a call by the end of the week. By the call I got at the end of the week, it was his wife, Beth, telling me, just want to let you know, Key Market Communications bought the radio station, but they're very interested in what you want to do, and they're going to contact you. Never heard from him, which I'm Not grateful that I didn't. And then I ended up taking the, the, the format that I created over to uh, the station in Uniontown, which they used for about two years until they screwed that one up. But... <laughs> But again, it's just so interesting because you can see the potential of these stations. And the bad thing is they weren't there to entertain and inform. They were there to make money. And they didn't care how they did it. And that's part of the problem with why radio's turned into what it's turned into today. Well, I believe there was a quote by the uh, CEO or somebody of Key Market who said, I'm not in the radio business. I'm in the advertising business. Right. All I want to do is sell advertising. I don't care about ratings. I don't care about songs and artists and music and personalities. All I want to do is sell commercials. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, you know, that was the, the, what we're talking about for your audience is an era where this was radio as we knew it growing up mm-hmm. ending. Right. This was automation. This was the beginning of automation. Um, 
and they realized they don't care about us. They don't care about me and you, man. Nope. They care about commercials. I came from that background, and I, my my point was always, how about I present you and program the best radio right. station that I possibly can, and then your job is to sell that. So if, if, that, if you think the best you can sell is automated, you're wrong. Right. Because look at what's happening with Clear Channel today, and they're filing for bankruptcy, and they're they were selling they were selling a commodity that that they thought was endless. Right. They were selling features on that, and they they're they're getting murdered by it. But unfortunately, I think it's too late for uh, the old days of DJs and uh, live radio to come back. But that I mean that's a whole different conversation. I will if I could. I'm not going to mention them by name, but there was a radio station in Uniontown, probably the same one you just mentioned, that had their letterhead and their slogan was number one in Fayette County for 50 years. And when I took the position as program director, <laughs> Mr. Humes gave me a one piece of paper with 10 bullet points on it and said, your goal in the first year of being program director is to do these things. And it was like schedule air talent, schedule the music, the commercials, all the typical stuff. But it was to beat, uh, can I say their call? WMBS. Okay, to beat WMBS. In one year, and I said, "Okay, what what is uh, what is WMBS?" And he said, "Nine seventy, right? 970? No, five ninety. Nine ninety. Okay, to beat." And I said, "Okay, AM." When he said nine ninety, I said, "AM." He said, "Oh yeah, they're number one for fifty years." It says it right on their letterhead. I said, "All right." So they had some rule with that radio station where you were not supposed to be caught listening to any other radio. Exactly. And so I'm in my office one day, and I have the radio on WMBS. And somebody came in and said, what are you doing? What you can't, you can't. Said, How am I supposed to beat a radio station if I'm not allowed to listen to what they're broadcasting? So I'm, I'm like, get out of here. Like, you know how he had his little minions that ran around and yes. told on you for everything you did. Uh-huh. So I said, go, go tell Mr. Humes I'm listening to WMBS because I'm trying to beat them. Yeah. So... I'm listening, and they're doing the bean report and the hog report and babies and deaths and babies in the weather. National anthem noon, and I'm like, if I can't beat this, I never should be a, a program director on an FM music station again in my life. So we start, you know, I kicked everything into high gear, and I made us pointless and uh, started playing better music. And, and, and you know, I know Western Pennsylvania. I'm, right. I'm actually from Eastern Ohio. I'm from the region. Okay. And we started, we started just doing great. And so the ratings came out, and we beat them. So I kind of boastfully called their program director, whoever it was at the time, and said, Hey, man, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm going to have to ask you to stop saying number one for 50 years. And he, was, he said, I, 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 can't, I can't stop saying that. Right. I'm not picking, I'm not picking on anybody because I honestly don't know who it was. I know who it but was. All right, well, I, I don't. But I he do. said, I, 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 I can't do that. I said, well, listen, bud, I mean, I don't want to be, we, you know, we're, he said, I know, I know you're kicking our butts, but yeah. If, it, my, he said, I talked to my general manager and said, if you can prove it, then we'll stop saying. It. Right. So I printed out the ratings. This is the best day, one of the best days of my radio career. Mm-hmm. I printed out the ratings and I drove to their office. Walked in to the secretary, whoever, and said, um, "Can you can you give this to the boss, please?" <laughs> I put like a little post-it note. Hey, man, thanks. See you around, Dean. 
Yeah. And the next day they stopped saying number one for 50 years. Well, and I went into Mississippi and said, can I check that one off the list? And he was like, okay, you got him to finally stop saying it. Well, the best part of that is, Dean, is I was in a meeting because I left WASP by that time. And I, there's the, I was in between and I left. I was in that meeting. Up with them whenever they were coming up because they said we can't say it. I said, of course you can't say it. They also wanted to say the first and finest in Fayette County. I'm going, you can't say the first because you're not number one anymore. And they didn't understand it. And then two years later, they've been using my slogan now for almost 20 years, your local station, 590 AM, WMBS. Because the only reason we did, we only reason we did that is because we realized that we were going to be able to capitalize on the ratings book when people would screw up and didn't know who they were listening to. And they said, oh, we listened to local station. It the worked. Station. <laughs> well, there were tricks that we used to use. Yeah. I don't know how familiar the audience with, with the rating systems and how it works. But the ratings is it's called Arbitron. Is it still? Is it still Arbitron? Yeah, they're still doing books. Okay, so Arbitron was the ratings company. Right. And you would get in, the, the general public would get a, a, a letter in the mail saying, hey, we're going to monitor what radio stations you listen to and what times. Would you fill, here's a, I think they gave you a dollar or five dollars. They gave you a dollar. A dollar, okay. When you mail it back, we're going to send you another dollar. So people fill that out. And I learned how to manipulate the Arbitron ratings. I can say this now that I'm not on the radio anymore. But right. there it said, overnight mornings, middays, late afternoons. They use the words late afternoons and then evenings. So I called my show the late afternoon show with Dean Connors. Right. Or Dean Connors late afternoon show. And the point of saying late afternoon show, after we got rid of the word point in one of the countries, <laughs> was to add the word late afternoon. So when people were filling out their ratings book, they would say, oh, late afternoons, I listen to Dean Connors. Right. Because it's Dean Connors and the late afternoon show. Right. What, what hindered us, and you and I spoke privately about, privately about this earlier, was that our mascot <laughs> was the and we were WASP FM. Right. Now, we, the, the word WASP can have a... A negative connotation, yeah. Field. Right. So, Jim, Mr. Humes, bought some bee costume, which I know you were once. Well, but, the, but, the, but the thing is, that bee costume was around in the 80s. Because I interned at the station and I wore that bee costume, the original one. Then they updated well, it to make it look more like a wasp, which it still looked like a bee. It was a bee. Yeah. Problem is, we were 94.9. Right. And as everybody, most people remember, the radio station in Pittsburgh was one of the big dogs was B94. And we were 94.9 with a flipping bee. <laughs> as a mascot, yeah. And I'm like, why don't we get an elephant or a giraffe or a donkey? Why do we have to have a bee? We're not. We're a wasp. <laughs> like, it, it just, we don't. Why do we need a mascot? Why does a why, why does a radio a station need a mascot? You're right. It just you know, DVE never had a no mascot. No. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's just a funny little side story of, of, of the but, that's but, the space programming. You're, but you're right, because Jim was so worried about remotes. Heck, he even told you how to tie the balloons properly. That he oh was my God, he, he was so worried about he was so worried about image. I mean, and I, I and I'll be honest with you, I'm showing my age here because when I 
first worked for Jim. I interned for him. I was a college student in 1986, 87. I interned at Wasp AM. That was before anybody thought of an FM station being part of that radio station. So, I mean, he was still worried about it back then. For goodness sake, Dean, we had to learn how to duct tape cables down straight without having any wrinkles in the tape. If those those wires weren't duct taped down to the concrete straight, you might have gotten fired. Exactly. I mean, in all my years in radio, I never had to show up for a remote two and a half hours before the remote To set it up. (laughs) To make 50 bucks. (laughs) Now, one thing I will say... When I and because I, I I teach students now, they know how to duct tape because of my days at Wasp AM. Yep, very good. Because Absolutely. it's a it's a talent. I mean, really, you don't think about it, but it, it's something that we had to do. I mean, setting it up and then tying balloons with your fingers that you would have blisters on your fingers by the time the remote started. Right. Because there was no automatic machine like you'd get at McDonald's, you put the thing in, you do it. No, we had helium. We had to tie the stupid things with the string in them. I lost a tooth because of one of those helium tanks. We had we were doing a remote at the Hershey Hershey Park Arena. Um, it was Reba and Faith Hill was the concert. Okay. We were all out at the remote, and we got balloons, and we got the whole shooting match set up. And we're getting ready to tear down, and we all wanted to go into the concert and see Faith Hill and Reba. And we had a, a panel truck, and somebody had set one of those helium tanks. And you know the big, heavy steel lid that screws onto the top? Yeah. So somebody's wife had just set the cap on there and not screwed it up, screwed it on. <laughs> and I'm in the back of the truck, and I would go to lift that tank up with all my might. And instead of lifting up the helium tank, I lifted up the steel lid and bashed myself in the face knock a tooth out, blood everywhere. I go running into the arena. I get, and to this day, I, I, I've gotten some teeth work, and the guy did my x-ray and said, you have a steel rod in this tooth over here. And I'm like, yeah, Wasp FM. Let me that tell you the story. <laughs> my tooth out. <laughs> I know. I mean, and the thing is, is that there are so many stories that we could tell about them because people don't believe them. Right. Um, well, radio stories are the greatest. There's guys that I've worked with at Wasp. Um, another guy that worked on uh, um, on uh, 94.9 FM, Glenn Heller. I had him on the program. He used to work at WPQR in Uniontown before when Jim opened the station. Glenn was brought over as the morning man to to uh, to do that. He says he tells the same stories, and people think that when I tell them I'm making them up. I said no. I have people that can collaborate them because we all lived through it. He lived it absolutely, and that's and that's the best. That's the best part of it because people just don't understand that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jim is a human being. I thought he I, a really nice guy, really nice guy. However, when it came to running a business, it was a little bit questionable. Yeah, I mean, people thought I was his son. Well, I mean, uh, he, he treated me great. I mean, I've so many dinners at, at, at their house. Right. You know, if, if we you know we we had these remotes, and he would always you know slide me an extra you know whatever fifty bucks, and right? Whatever it was. Uh, I'll tell you a funny. You know, people like funny radio stories. There, I think it's still there. There used to be a Gabriel Brothers in Uniontown up by McDonald's. Yeah, it's still there. Okay. So we had a remote there, and I'm doing a remote, and for people that your listeners may not understand, these 
radio guys hate these things. Oh, God, yeah. But we go out and we're like, hey, come on out to the games today. We got big specials and it's going to be fantastic. There was an older gentleman standing there watching me, staring at me the whole time, leaning against like a clothing rack, just watching me. Okay. And people come up and they shake your hand. They want to take a picture. They want to win a prize. They, whatever. They're the public. You know, they're, they're great. So we finished the remote, and this guy comes up to me and says, uh, but I watched him staring at me the whole time. I just figured his wife was out was shopping. We're shopping, yeah. And he comes up and he says, yo, young man, you did a great job there. I just want to thank you. My name, I don't know the guy's name. He, he was Mr. Gabriel. He owned, he was one of the Gabriel brothers. Brothers, yeah. Was Mr. I'm like, oh, sir, well, wow. You know, I felt kind of bad. Like, I just thought he was some old man watching me. I said, oh, sir, I... I Thank you so much. I mean, I, I try to do my best, you know, try to promote your store. He says, I tell you what, anything you want in the store, just go ahead and just whatever you want. Now, back in those days, I'm not making much money, okay? All right. <laughs> like, anything? And I'm thinking, like, it's Gabe's. I mean, I a pair of jeans, a couple whatever. I think I've got a pair of golf shoes. And, like, I, I remember looking at Jim and saying, Jim, he's somebody to get anything I want. Like, do I have to get one thing? Do I just go get, like, a coffee mug or what, what right. do I do? Jim said, listen, he said anything you want. I'm like, you guys sell cars in here? How <laughs> <laughs> many kitchen appliances I can buy? Yeah. Gabe's. And I forget, I got a couple things. I didn't want to take advantage of the guy. I grabbed a couple things and came up and said, Mr. Gabriel said I could have this. And they're like, well, go ahead. I'm like, man, I love Gabe's. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> this is great. These are the kind of things that happen. Oh, yeah. That, that I don't want to call it small. It wasn't small. It was a big radio station, but it's, it's not New York. It's, no. It's not WNBC. And these are the kind of things when you get in your car at the end of it and you laugh and drive home and go, I made 150 bucks. I got a new pair of golf shoes and yep. a shirt and a pair of slacks. And hey, that's a pretty good Saturday afternoon when yeah. you're not making much money. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Dean, I appreciate you taking time tonight. And uh, we got to do this again because we got more stories to tell. I could do I could do these all day, all night long. <laughs> I love these stories. So uh, again, thank you for having me. Hey, I, I really appreciate it, man. I haven't talked to you in so long. I mean, I know we're on Facebook together, but you know how that goes. You don't see, oh. you know, you say, oh, there's that guy I used to know. Right. This is this is this is fun. This is fun. It's 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 been a while, and I, I've been getting a lot of people together that I've worked with or I've uh, I've looked up to in the industry, and um, it's kind of nice to be able to reminisce about those old days in radio because again. They'll never happen again. Yeah, they're gone. They're for gone. Me, for me, they're gone. <laughs> like, one more quick little story. Sure. When I left Watch FM, I decided I was about 29 years old, and I said, I'm kind of done with this radio thing. I had one other offer that I didn't follow up on, and I was living, I can tell you where I was living on, Jackson Farms. Oh, really? For your audience? Yeah, I was living, at, I got, had a house I rented from uh, Bill Jackson. Bill I live at Jackson Farms. I, I always felt part of my life was missing. I never went to college. I started in radio when I was 16, never went to school. I started at a 50,000-watt flamethrowing giant radio station, worked my way around, ended up program director at Wasp FM and AM. And I woke up one day and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to college. And I literally got in my car and drove over to California University of Pennsylvania, saw a building that said admissions, walked in, said, I want to go to school. I'm 29 years old. It's time to get my life together. And... Some of the classes I took as easy pass-through classes were radio classes. Right, of course. I knew all. I met some of the greatest people there. I met people that knew Mr. Humes. I believe he yep. used to be a professor at he Cal. Was, yeah, right? he was a professor at Cal for years. And when I went in and said, I was the program director at Wasp FM for five years, they said, well, 
come on in. Yep. Have a seat. You're welcome here. And I think I ended up kind of reteaching some of the lessons that I learned from Mr. Humes or maybe taught Mr. Humes um, about FM radio. Yep. And then after I graduated, I was out for a couple of years, and uh, Dr. Cummings, one of my favorite professors, yes. asked me to come back and speak to the radio class. I said, are you sure you want me to come back and speak to the radio class? He said, oh, absolutely. So I go in, and they introduce me, and I walk out on stage. And I said, you all are taking radio. And they all clap, and I said, do something else. Yes. <laughs> and he looked at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. Said, Do something else. Trust me, it's dead. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. And, and one thing you don't remember is you and I did run e each other at Cal because I was working on a certification at time for um, my teaching career. And you and I had an argument and debate class together. I do not remember that, but yeah. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay, because I, 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 you and I were in the same class together. We were telling horror stories then. It's just that I, rem <laughs> I remember stuff from 20 and 30 years ago. Ask me what I did last week. I can't remember anything. So. That's funny. I, I, here's what I know about the one debate that I was in in debate class at Cal U. My team lost the debate, and I remember that uh, Dr. Cummings and... Uh, who was the guy? Drew Magookin. yeah. Dr. Magookin, who insisted you call him doctor, not yes, mister. Right. But Dr. Magookin was on the panel, and after it was all done, we lost the debate. We got back to class, and he said, so what did you take from that, Dean? And I said, if I would have known who the judges were, I would have been on the other side, because there's no way we were going to win that debate. And he said, what do you mean? I said, because you guys were not going to vote for us. <laughs> well, guess who was on the other side? You, yes. I should have been on you. <laughs> and just to let you know, after all these years, Dr. McGookin is finally retiring. Uh, my, good, good, good for all the students at Cal U. My son is a freshman at Cal U right now. He's He is finishing up his class with Dr. McGookin. Wow. Whenever That's my, awesome. Whenever he came home and told me that, and I just looked at him, and I said, oh, Dan, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> I remember I I remember him saying I went to school for too many years to be called Mister. You call me Doctor. Yeah. All right. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> well, well, hey, Bill, thank you, thank you for having me on the show. I really, I this has been great. And what we need to do it again soon. Let me know. I'm oh, in. Sounds good. Thanks, Dean. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. See you. Bye. -bye. Dean Connors, formerly of WASP Radio, and uh, <laughs> and also Froggy. We didn't really talk about uh, Froggy's time because he was known as James Pond on Froggy. So uh, that, that was kind of fun. Right now, we're getting ready for our next guest to call in, and uh, that is... Uh, he goes by Bill Brasky on uh, on Facebook, but I know him as Steve because he was one of my former students who actually uh, left where I teach and ended up working radio at State College. So uh, he's going to call in here real shortly. Actually, there he is. It's like he's listening to the program, and there's the phone ringing. We'll say, Steve, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Bill. Yourself? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing real good. So. Steve, I just got done talking with a gentleman by the name of Dean Connors, who used to work at Wasp FM and also worked at Froggy. And recently, okay. you worked sales at Froggy and also the Pickle. That is correct. And before that, you were at State College, correct? Uh, yes. So, Did some radio sales and a little bit of a morning show out there. 
So when you when you got in, because, of course, as I mentioned, the audience, you're a former student of mine who actually took my radio class 20 plus years ago, um, which is hard to believe it's been that long. You went from Albert Gallatin to where? I went to the College of Worcester in Worcester, Ohio. And um, that. When you got, when you, were, were you always intending to going into radio and broadcasting? I Actually, yeah. Um, when I went there, you know, I signed up kind of probably sophomore years, but kind of knew I wanted to get into the radio. Okay. Uh, specifically sports broadcasting at that point. So, and you also played football there at the time, correct? Yeah, yeah, I had some health issues that kind of prevented me from doing that. But when I got there, I learned really, you know, at a smaller school, liberal arts college, get a degree in communications that could do everything from radio, TV to, you know, interpersonal communication. So, um, I got involved with the college radio station there and realized right away they had no, it was a free format at that point. Okay. And there was there was no sports content whatsoever. Seriously. Yeah. And um And this would be what me, I just got done cutting grass tonight, so my allergies are kicking in. So this would have been what, two thousand two, two thousand three? Or two thousand three, two thousand four? Yeah, about oh four to yeah oh three and oh four. Wow! And um, you know, so I kind of helped there, and you know, since it was free format, I had an hour radio talk show. Okay, to get online and maybe a block outside of campus. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was and, a closed um, circuit thing then. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I spoke with our. The manager there, who's a professor, and said, you know, what do you think about doing some more sports? Because myself and another guy kind of interested. And actually, um, it was like the first time in like 20-some years that we literally then started a sports, you know, department within a radio station. And um, we started calling basketball games. And um, College of Worcester is very very good at basketball okay and um one of the most winningest programs in the country um since 2000 so it was enjoyable to broadcast home and away games and you know we also got to do some tournament games and then our baseball team you know they made it to the world series twice when i was there so we would do baseball now baseball Man, that's a tough game to call. Oh, I can imagine. Downtime. Oh, I can imagine because you have and, to keep uh, going. Right, right. And I was helping with the football team, so I couldn't do the football games. But literally, I remember since I was a sports director there, I would have to get there extra early to help the radio guys set up. Okay, and then go to team meetings. And, you know, break down film and, you know, help on the sideline with the football team at that point. So, and I still continue to have like an hour 
I think for one year I had a two hour sports talk show. And, um, so yeah, I did that. And then, um, and a funny thing happened. I found this girl that, I don't know, for some reason she liked me. And um, I, I think she's rethinking it now, yeah. by the way. <laughs> she is. But um, she lived in Harrisburg at the time and knew I needed to be closer to her. I uh, had a couple connections out there, and somebody said, hey, you know, you're personable. We're always looking for salespeople. Right. In um, the state college area, and so I went out there to do sales. And, and and again, going back on it, when you were talking about your days doing sports at Wooster, how do you compare doing what you did at Wooster compared to what you did in high school? Well, a lot of it was similar. Um, you know, I did a lot of the color commentating. Um, back in that time when we were in high school, we had a phenomenal women's bat- girls basketball team, Louis Hall, who just got inducted into the um, Hall of Fame, Fame here. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I was able to broadcast her games. Right. And do those. And one thing that helped me also, I always took pride in, is that, especially for basketball, for some reason, and football as well, but... I played the game, right? And I didn't really care so much to do the play-by-play. I thought I was able, as a color commentator, to really add the the certain scenarios that you know this person just set a screen, or this person, you know, the reason that play developed because the left guard pulled and kicked out the end. So you can kind of really bring that visualization. You know, right. over the airways. Yeah, I guess is the best way to say it. And when you did basketball, and, um, you actually worked with Vince Capozzi, who Vince yeah, is that's true. Vince yes. is still doing um, is actually doing uh, sports broadcasts now for the uh, the uh, Tribune Sports Network um, in their high school program that they're doing right now because he's working with a couple uh, radio stations locally. So he's you, still doing. You know, I didn't play. know that. I might yeah. have to might have to reach out to him. <laughs> But yeah, he's been doing that now for quite a few years. But again, you were part of that team because whenever we started the program, you were part of the for- first sports broadcast team because yeah. we we started with nothing other than an idea and, and two camcorders, and then we got the program off the ground. So now you're in Harrisburg, and you said you're there doing sales, correct? Right, right. Well, my the. Uh... My girlfriend, now my wife, was in Harrisburg. I was in State College. So how did you meet her? Did you meet her back here in, 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 in Uniontown? Or how'd that work out? How long do we, how long do we have? <laughs> we got about 15 more minutes. Yeah. Her, her brothers actually both went to the College of Worcester, and they recruited me to play football there. Never knew her. Really? Never knew, yeah, never knew her brothers. Um, became friends with them just because... We were both from the, you know, we were all from the same town. Right. One summer, I came home. Her brother and I came home, and um, you know, I kind of said something. I was like, "Hey, why don't you, you know, let's go grab some wings and a drink, and why don't you tell your sister to come along?" <laughs> and he wasn't too keen on that, but right. Yeah, that's never knew each other growing up, but both literally, from, you know, this area, and. Um, so at that point, you know, going from Ohio to Harrisburg, 
we did that for about a year and a half. So okay. the college to Harrisburg was about a an hour and a half. So, okay. and what happened there was I was doing sales, became real good friends with our morning show host. His name was TJ, and um, he really utilized the interns from Penn State main campus. Okay, he was he used a con department, and we. These kids would write shows, you know, come up with scripts, ideas, things like that. And one fall, they were gone for Thanksgiving break. And I just kind of met him, and he's like, hey, you know, got this morning show, you know, 6 to 10. I know you can't do it that long because you got your sales obligations. But if you'd be interested coming in for, like, two hours in the morning, I could use the help because all the interns were gone. Right. So I said, okay. And I tell you what, we, our chemistry, just kind of bantering and back and forth. And, you know, he was single at the time and living a dream. And actually, State College knew that I was going to propose to my wife before anybody else. Oh, really? I made, yeah, I told, told PJ on the air that morning. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I said, you know, after the show, I'm driving down to Harrisburg to pick up Christy, and I'm going to propose to her. And, um, you know, we got phone calls how much they loved it, and then we actually um, did that for a year or two, and then one of, another girl came along. Her name was Kelly, who works for a station now on a drive home um, up in Pittsburgh. She was the girl. And so we had two dudes and a girl every morning, six to eight. Okay. It just, it was great. And we did everything we could to go out. I mean, any elementary event, any high school event, any college event, we were there showing face. And that's really how I learned the grassroots of radio. Oh, yeah. And and that's the way it used to be done. Yes, and yeah, I didn't want to say it, but that's, I mean, right now I'm not in radio, and that's kind of what <laughs> got me out of it, um, Well, if, but there was not a parade in State yeah. College that we weren't at. There wasn't a restaurant or a bar or anything where we went into where people didn't know us, right. and some people would say that wouldn't translate into sales where oh, it did. they were wrong. Maybe you're yeah. at a elementary school and mom and dad own a business right and now they want to support the radio station right. well if i don't know if you listened to part of the first uh, half hour of the program but dean connors also said the same thing because it was it, it was personality driven it wasn't advertising driven the way it is today and radio was right. something totally different now the one thing i think is funny is you mentioned about uh you let the audience know you were proposing to your wife before your wife knew i did the same thing quite a few years before you did and i did it on uh, the local am station here did the same thing while i was doing talk radio and i didn't do it purposely it slipped and then whenever the day we got married we actually i actually did a two-hour live program the morning of because i told my boss i said i am coming in to do my show he said why i said because if not i'm going to be home a nervous wreck so we did the uh wedding reception of the airwaves and i did two hours and i had people calling in and it was basically best wishes and everybody else so yeah i know what it's like that, to let that, your relationship on the air 
and and that that was I mean they when we had our you know my my first child yeah. we, it, it was it was almost like play by play from the hospital. <laughs> I remember going on our on our honeymoon right after we got married. We landed went from Pittsburgh to Atlanta, and we landed in Atlanta. I called back into the show to give them a live, you know, update update on what I was doing, and it just. Um, I'm surprised she man, didn't. That was fun. I'm surprised she didn't file for divorce from you right at that moment. To be honest with you, no, no she she knew <laughs> she knew that anything, just about anything in our life, it had the potential to be on air the next day, and it, it was. But that's what people liked. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I, and I don't think it's just a cause. But people, they would, they would call and say, "Oh man, I just went through the same thing." And right, like I said, our our audience, there were some people were re, re, uh, able to relate with PJ because he was single and ready right. to mingle. Yeah, and some <laughs> I like people that. were able to relate to me. Yeah, <laughs> relate to me because I just got married and right. you know all this new things. And then there was a girl, you know, who just beat the crap out of both of us on air. Uh-huh. And it was, man, it was enjoyable. So what made you move back to this area then? Happy wife, happy life. Okay. No, no we, um, so we're, like I said, we're both from Uniontown area. And um, we, once we had, I have two young boys now. And once we had our first one, we both wanted to move closer to home. We both you know, knew that that was, it was important for us to get away for a while. Right. But in the long run, just come home, be a little bit closer so, you know, they could experience some of the same things that we did growing up and our parents and our grandparents could see them, right. you know, grow throughout the years. And you know what? There, there's still a great amount of opportunity here in Fayette County, as you know. And, um, you know, as long as you're willing to put in the work and the time, this is a, a great little place to raise a family. Right. Oh, Exactly. I mean, my wife and I have been here, um, let's see, we've been married 20, about 22 years, and I've been living in the same house that um, I've been living in for 19 years now. So, no, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And if the, there's opportunities here, if you're willing to make your own opportunities. Exactly. So, and then you got, so when you came back, did you have the job with Froggy or did you uh, luck into that I did. one? So. Yeah, so when I was up in State College, I actually worked with a different cluster up there. Um, oh, I didn't realize they, that. They, yeah, they, um, they, the Froggy Group had a cluster up there, but I was not part of that. Okay. But I knew a lot of, I mean, since they were competitors, and, you know, I just ran across them a lot. And when I notified the one, the one general manager up there that I was moving back home, he said, well... You know, I can get you in back there. So, I mean, hey, I'm not going to turn down something that can pay the bills. So, I did that for a while, and it was good. And like I said, just some things changed and had, you know, different viewpoints and different opinions. Right. Just had to make a choice to go a different route than that. Right. And it wasn't... It wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from, and a lot of people listening understand that too. Because it's not, it wasn't personality driven. It was ad driven, and 
sometimes that's good, but most of the time that's the downfall of the station. Yeah, he sometimes felt like you would have been easier to ask for a million dollars in the drive a van and throw all candy in a hometown parade. <laughs> Seriously, and that's that's where we just I know I'm thinking to myself. You know, there's so many so many missed opportunities. Yeah, but if it didn't make if it didn't make a hard dollar. You know, it was out of the question. Yeah, we, and like I said earlier. Yeah, we don't do anything for free unless we get something that out really of it. Really drives anything, right? And that, and that that really is a sh- that really is a shame because when I got into radio, when I got in the early days, and again, this was in the '80s, it was totally different. When you got into it and came back to it in the in the uh, early late oh, 2008, 2010, somewhere in that ballpark, <laughs> it totally changed, and that was in a short twenty years. Yeah. And that's what's bad about it, because a younger generation will never know what it actually was. And when we did our morning show out in State College, we literally, at one point, we almost got fired um, because <laughs> we didn't run spots. Oh, really? And No, I mean, because the, 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 the PJ, who is the program director and the on-air host, I mean, okay. he just... He did it. He did his own thing, right? But it was successful. But there were a couple clients saying, "Hey, we're paying for Ad time. you know morning drive, and we haven't we haven't heard it." But we were literally just, I mean, everything from Disney song games and and, and I don't. I guess it's been so long now. The FCC can't come after us, but <laughs> well, nobody nobody called the station. Without leaving with at least a free blizzard to Dairy Queen. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, it was the connections that we had with our clients. Yeah. Where it was just, hey, you know, you got a coupon or something like that. Right. And they would just give it to us. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you answered the question right or wrong. You just called in to say hi. Or we gave away pizza parties to classrooms. I uh-huh. mean, it was just, I mean, it's a very common ter- name for show where we were the morning zoo, but it was right. literally a zoo. We had, when the royal, royal wedding was probably, what, the 2000 and, say, 12 or yeah, 13? somewhere around there, yeah. We, we, we marched through downtown State College with one of our girls in a wedding dress that was given to us by a sponsor. Okay. In the, in the Nittany Lion. <laughs> They got married in honor of the royal wedding. That must have been hilarious. It was. It was. It was just stuff like that all every day. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to do it again, would you do it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, if it's the right situation, obviously things are different now. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, we came up with some of our best ideas about five o'clock, perched. You know, at this thing, you know, at a watering trough, right. you call it. Um, that's when some of our best ideas came up. We lived together in an apartment, so we were, you know, constantly just throwing things against the wall. And at that point, I didn't have diapers to change or grass <laughs> to cut or anything like that. But definitely the right situation, without a doubt, it was... You know, my mom always told me I had to face for radio, so... Yeah, well, you do, Steve. still think there's an opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. I think there's an opportunity. Well, 
I, I said the same thing. Once the bug bites you, you can never get rid of the virus because that's one of the things yeah, that you, okay. you, you keep trying to get back into. <clears throat> and that's, Well, I, and a perfect example is I'm usually asleep well for an hour by now. <laughs> and when, this, when the opportunity came up, I was like, you know what? Oh, I got to do it. Just uh, it's just something inside of you yeah, yeah. that you love to play into the audience and right. the crowd, and that's it. You're right. If it's in you, if you get got bit by it, it stays with you. It stays with you. Well, Steve, I appreciate you taking time and staying up past your bedtime. And uh, we'll, no problem. We'll Bill. Do, we'll do this again sometime in the near future. Sounds good. Let's just maybe do a little bit earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll work around your bedtime. How's that? Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I, hey, Steve, again, thank you very much, and uh, have a great night. We'll talk to you next time. All right, Bill. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Steve Cashmere, also known as Bill Brasky, uh, here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. If you haven't figured out, he was actually a student of mine. He took one of my radio broadcasting classes and TV in high school. And uh, we've talked in the it, since then. However, I never really knew where the career took him until he came back in the area a couple years back. And I met his uh, lovely wife and his two boys. But it's nice to be able to talk about it because you can hear just his stories compared with Dean's stories, compared to... Jack Bogut, Clark Ingram, Glenn Howard, Eric O'Brien, um, Jason Tojer. I mean, I can go, we all have the same stories. It's just different names and different call letters. That's the thing that interests me, and I hope it interests you. Next week, we're going to have a former news director of WDAD on the program next Thursday night. Chauncey Ross is going to be joining us. I'm looking forward to this one because I've heard stories. <laughs> I don't know if they're true. But I've heard stories. So we're going to be talking to him next week. And we have lined up uh, Dave Dragason coming in in their future. Uh, we heard from uh, Jimmy Roach who's going to be joining us. And let's see who else. We have quite a few people that have said they're going to be part of the program. And I can't wait till it actually happens. But don't forget you're listening to Online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV Channel 77. And you can check us out on our website at italknet.com. See the hat? italknet.com. And also you can check us out at um, onlinewithbillalexander.com to see the live feed. Anyway, there's our music. It's time to t- for me to say goodnight. Gr- friends, thank you very much for joining us. Dean, Stevie, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.